you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The Around the NFL Podcast. Doesn't know what a Madden code is. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast presented by Sirius XM. My name is Dan Hansis. I am joined in a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Wes, you've been flummoxed by the internet and the Madden code craze sweeping across Twitter right now. Uh, Tell us why it is that the codes confuse you so. Well, growing up, we didn't have codes for video. I assumed it was something. Can we get the Springsteen music for this? I assumed it was something that, like, made your players stronger or better. Instead, it's just a way to download the actual game, which I should have deduced, but I didn't. Mm. It's like back in my day, we used to have to go up hills both ways, go up, 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 down, down, B-A-B-A, start, start to, well, to make our players better. I've had we a did couple it the old-fashioned way. Like, when you guys, the four of you, get together to talk about video games, which games do you talk about? And I had to bring it to them. This is not exact, not actually a gamer quartet. None I don't know if we've ever done that. We talked about I, Tecmo Super Bowl. Sure, but I don't appreciate, and you know, I understand the money tag isn't allowed to go on and on and clarify and be nuanced. It's got to be clipped. And sure. got to get to the point, but it makes us all look like we don't understand that. I'm I understand how how the codes work. Hear this, Mark Sessler is with it. <laughs> well, he's hip. <laughs> it's the Friday show. Get excited! A little bit of drama yesterday, Thursday. Ricky came after our own listeners on Twitter, demanding that they stop sending money tags. Which you know, I that rubbed me the wrong way. I gotta say, because by the we, listeners or by. By Ricky, Ricky. Oh, we okay. asked them to do that, and Erica had no problem on the show saying, yes, send them to at Erica Tamposi NFL, whatever, Tamposi NFL. And then you're telling the listeners, don't dare send me any more money tags. What's, where's the breakdown here? Okay. First of all, you just said send them to me instead of let's make a, a thread or anything. I've had right. people. So continue to for- send more and more. I mean, sending that out is only asking for more. So send money, hashtag money tags. To Erica Tamposi. No, send them all to Greg Rosenthal. He'll mute you all like you already are. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> so, is there... Not wrong. All right, maybe what where the, the breakdown is here is, you know, is there a different handle to send it to? What, how can we make this better for you? Because obviously, snapping at the listener is not the right way to go about this. What can we do snapping to Snapping at the <laughs> listeners. I feel like it's kind of a bit, though. It's like, hey, engagement. You actually know that, like, 40 people are going to respond to him when you do that. So it's all like fun and games. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, you know how you get mad about like two tweets about something on the show. Imagine hundreds and hundreds of them separately. My phone is going off saying around the NFL, like likes hot peppers. I've gotten that 400 times. Turn off your notifications. By the way, Wes, Wes, are you clear how all this works from a technology? I actually had it. I don't get it. 
I had a suggestion. Doesn't the hashtag eliminate the need for anybody to send it to you? You can just right. click on the hashtag. Right, but they're tagging me. Smart they're way. sending them hey, to me. I think you showed great acumen yes, of how this could be improved. And I should – here was the tweet sent 19 hours Back ago. Back in my day, we didn't have <laughs> – Hashtags. We My just day. wrote. We just wrote on other people's backs. That's a tic tac toe symbol, actually. <laughs> At Tamposi NFL, stop tweeting money tags to me. I am not in the mood. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's a little bit <laughs> aggro toward. It had been our a whole. Listeners. It had been five days of tweets. Instagram messages. D. I'm getting DMs about my what you guys want. And no offense, they're all really terrible. <laughs> they're no. bad. I saw a couple of good ones. But here's the thing. Stay you're out of the DM. You're savvy enough that you literally know that sending that out will get more back. I have so, my notifications that off, too. That I'm just telling it's constant. All right. Well, so I think what I think Wes's idea is a good one. Yeah. Thank but you. I also kind of like this level of rage in, in you that's bubbling out and that's kind of funny to me. So I don't know. It's kind of like Is it? Is this bit. your first career? <laughs> is this your first career rant on the podcast? I don't have any uh, rants. I don't think so. This just was a <laughs> this rant. Is close. Yeah, that was a rant. They're terrible. Stop sending them to okay, me. Okay, we have literally people being like, "Oh man, Mark Sussler, where'd he go?" Hashtag money tag like forty <laughs> times. Like, be creative. No offense. So your the- frustration, if I'm getting, let me see if I got this right. Your frustration isn't so much that you're getting a lot of these tags. I'm getting hundreds. The the more the issue is, you're unimpressed with the imagination by the content creators in this case. Right. You just want people to be better. Right. Be better and also tag okay. all the guys too. Let's see how you how you like it. Negative on the second part of that, but she's not wrong. On oh, the you first. don't want to be tagged in it. You don't want to get all those notifications. Mark? I think it's messy. It oh, seems, yeah, it seems it's like really, it's we've got really a clear, annoying. We've got a clear channel when it's going through one. Right. Some, what? Of, the, some of these are Stay good. out of the DMs. <laughs> some of these are good. The Around the NFL podcast, the Dan Hansis Vanity Project. See, that's that's, that's funny. Pretty good. That's, that's pretty good. Not too far off. Wonder why you like that one. Uh, <laughs> but it was funny. It's funny. All right, Ricky. I don't like to see you upset. But I'm actually surprised. I kind of was bringing it up kind of as a joke, and then it, you're real, really upset about the it. Around <laughs> the Around the NFL podcast lit Erica's apartment on fire. Ranty yeah, Hollywood. Solid. Nice that's callback. That's a solid. Ranty uh, Hollywood. Great. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> I mean, I could imagine just from – I think we all know that you tweet something out and it get a billion. Is it full of heart from start to finish? Like the next time I see that, I'm going to like literally set a car on fire. I don't, I, it is just not funny – at this point anymore and she that started did to hurt feel you, that same like, thing. because you're a big fan of film you've especially gotten into you've become a real cinephile mark no i have not become a real no, so. i know yeah, you like i know, I know you like that word now. you know what i got to fill i got to fill the time with something but it's like the, the but that is like is the, the reply same that you get response well you know what's exciting like 800 people every time is, and it's like blow me up is as the browns <laughs> get better and as baker's career takes off like Draft day, I think, has more resonance and staying power than we ever imagined. Just sort of how they're now following the path that Kevin Costner did. I think, like, when it's the 10 year anniversary in a few years, like, that's going to be. I a mean, big it's deal. got that, that I, timeless clip with Joe Banner in it and the three <laughs> other people from the front office that are no longer there. <laughs> that's always been on your radar. Um, as, as I've said many times, draft day stinks. And the fact that no good football movies exist, people are now lifting that up as a cult classic. But go rewatch it. Go watch some of those scenes with Costner and the capologist Jennifer Garner, and tell me if that's a good movie. I mean, come on. I would I would change my review if I could do it again. I I regret the uh, that typing and that text. I vastly regret it. <laughs> I love right. I love this show already. Uh, ooh, we're bringing it back. We uh, we did it last summer, and yes, with training camp in full swing and players mooki- making their move into doghouses, out of doghouses. Maybe they're far away from even the idea of the doghouse. Well, you want to hear what these conversations are behind closed doors. So how about we're flies on the wall? Fly on the wall. And we're going to be stationed inside training camps. We're going to report back what we hear in these closed-door meetings between NFL teams. Uh, But before that – oh, also um, our buddy uh, Gil Brandt, Dallas Cowboys great is going into the Hall of Fame uh, this weekend, and we are going to talk about that as well. Uh, but before we get to that, it's time for What We're Hearing, presented by Sirius XM. Let's do some news, Ricky. Team. 
Kim dice, Kim dice, Kim dice. Vox by Jason Zumwalt. I was going to say, that Why sounded like you Jason. Fall out that <laughs> Why did you fall out of the Cardinals? Oh, that's sad. For Kim He hasn't been picked up wow. yet, either. <laughs> Jason, you could tell he put Sometimes. his heart into that. As a Cardinals fan, you forget. Yeah. Mm. So it hits a little harder mm. when the former first-round pick washes out. Uh, let's start the news by talking about the Hall of Fame game, a 14-10 win by the Denver Broncos. And, yeah, when you, when you get out into that 1-0 start uh, in the preseason and you're playing the extra game, well, do the math. You're ahead. You're ahead of the entire league. And if you win out, no, there's no tie. You win the preseason Super Bowl. So a big win by the Broncos here. Um, there are some things to take away from the game. The first pass interference challenge, which we'll get to in a second. But, Wes, I'll start with you. Obviously, you're not going to see a lot of um, starters. We did not see Joe Flacco. We did not see Matt Ryan. Uh, but we got to look at some of these two rosters. What were some things that stood out from you at the Hall of Fame game in Canton? I had two takeaways on two different quarterbacks. Kurt Benkert, Falcons third stringer, uh, undrafted free agent in 2018, outplayed Matt Schaub, looked like a legitimate backup quarterback in the NFL, has the tools, and to me the Falcons would benefit from having him as their number two above Schaub. It's only one game, so we'll see. And then um, Locke was terrible. He was what Fangio basically said he was. Footwork was awful. Um, he has a goofy slingshot delivery that I wasn't expecting to see, mm. and his accuracy was a little off. I mean, again, only one game. It's the Hall of Fame game. Let's not overreact, but um, I would not expect to see much of Drew Locke this year. I feel like Fangio has come out with some of the strongest quarterback comments by any coach in the league this summer, and so I really wanted to see what Drew Locke would do in response to that. Like, was he kind of trying to do the thing where you twist in Drew Locke's Whatever, a little bit to get him to go play well, and then like he would what respond. Gonna, what do you want to twist? I don't know. Like if you were like a do, like a one of those little dolls with like a little dial. Like the Parcells you, thing. That yeah, you just know, tweak just like, him a little. Exactly. Okay. Get him Challenge. going and so like, like maybe, his nipples or. That's not what this is. Fangio's choice. I don't know what he's doing, but like, but then, but after the game, he dropped a bomb on him again, and it's just like, at what point is this? Is it great for a rookie quarterback to be? demoralized through the press by well, your head coach over and over. Yeah, Except that the assessment is correct from what we've seen so far. I was hoping for more, but I'm not surprised. <laughs> no, but like, I think I think I just, not a bomb drop. No, it wasn't well, a bomb I mean, drop. But it's a continuing theme of zero, zero appreciation for the player, even saying he's working hard. I don't know <laughs> right. what's going on. Well, with I took nothing like, from the game, but I, said, come on, I we, like that we're taking – that the Vic Fangio experience said. is going to be fun. This guy's passing kidney stones. He's shooting from the hip. Not yet. I think he's just a defensive coach who looks at Drew Locke and is just like, man, I would love to go against Drew Locke because I would destroy that guy. He's a defensive coach. And I think it's they How about brought, we take it easy on Drew Locke. A they bit. brought up some interesting things that he's calling the plays as, as a defensive coordinator, which you almost never see as a head coach. He's never been on the sideline calling a play in his life, so that that's a lot going on. And he's I just I'm in on the Vic Fangio experience, just being a little different. Can we clarify what Vic Fangio said sure. about Drew Locke after the game? He said his accuracy wasn't clean all the time, along with his reads. Then he looked into the camera with a very. Um, understanding, sympathetic look, and said, but you know, it's to be expected. We've got four more games. Yeah. So it's not – I would not clar- All right. classify the, it as I dropping a f- bomb The on first him. one I thought was the first <laughs> round of comments were strong. No, he th- not that was so what he said. There. He said I, he, that, he started it by saying I was hoping for more, but I'm not surprised. He just keep it real. Yes. Guys, you were used to coaches like coddling these guys. Fangio also became the first NFL coach ever to throw a flag to challenge a pass interference call. Uh, late in the first half, Lyndon Stevens called for a 43-yard penalty. Uh, they go upstairs after a, a brief halt in action. They upheld the call. Um, so there it is. It was an easy one. 
I, I, the Hall of Fame game isn't really about football. It's more just like, hey, Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth are back in our lives. And hey, there's like Ed Reed. Is he like the most like likable former, you know, player, like Hall of Famer that we have? I could listen to Ed Reed just like ramble on about whatever all night. I like hearing Ty Law talking shit about his career. It's like that's that sort of it's just like look at these nice people playing football again. I know everybody's very... It's like nice wallpaper. You can't, you don't know, have to worry great. about the game. I didn't love the drive-by of our boy Charlie Casserly. Unnecessary. His, uh, you know, second quarter interview with Michelle Tafoy, I believe. That didn't feel necessary, but... But it uh, was kind of a... That's what Ed Reed brings you. Just like total random, like, drive-by against a former analyst. It's, one well, of the, and he named the... He, they, she pointed out an article or two. That's how she right. framed this. this. They thought when you were drafted that this was an underwhelming pick. He remembered the name of the author. He then dropped... Casterly a bomb on him. That was a real bomb, Wes. And like I just like he remembers this guy. It's stuck in his mind. If you crossed him, Ed Reed. I I was lucky enough. This was right after the Super Bowl after the Ravens won. I got sent randomly as part of the Rich Eisen podcast to cover the red carpet of the Oscars. And uh, Gronk was supposed to be the um, red carpet um, uh, interviewer guy. And it was me and Chris Brockman, who works with Eisen, Chris Law. Uh, and we were packed next in this foreign press area against the railing right on the red carpet. It was a pretty surreal experience. But Gronk had to drop out at the last moment and was replaced by Ed Reed. And Ed Reed is a funny guy. And he is a totally different type of dude. And he had a lot of fun. It was a really good experience. And then right as the ceremony started, because – when you're Ed Reed, you know people. He was able to slip right into the Oscars and just hung out backstage for the entire show. Mm. Uh, it was it was a great memory. I have some photos. Maybe I'll find some and tweet them out. But uh, that was cool seeing Ed Reed going into uh, the hall. And we'll get to the hall more in a little bit. That was a ugly game, by the way. I know it's the first game. Well, it's always it's somewhat. People get really excited. Nice. It's like football's back. It's like that's not football. That's a that is that is the game of football being played, but not at any level that you would want to introduce people to the sport. It is funny that we're in it's this. It's not the this... NFL, really. I mean, I, right. I was trying to like explain to Ellis, like, because she was asking my daughter about the preseason and like the, sort of treating it like, okay, these are real games. I was like, well, they don't really count. Like your team, the Rams, they're not going to play any of their good players. And she's like, well, why would you even play them? It's that's what the it's, NFL it's is asked question. about. The pre- like, I just question. find it funny that the game actually somewhat still exists. That they're actually flying two teams to play the game. The weekend is an inc- having been to Canton a couple times. That weekend is the best thing you can do as a football fan. The game, though, is it does not seem to fit with the with the NFL's. I think to after the new point. CBA, maybe they'll knock the preseason down to about three games, and maybe that Hall of Fame game has some more has better players in it or something. Best one was when it was canceled for I believe hail or heavy rain or something. Wasn't it because of... the paint didn't try on the field? It l- resulted in all yes, that, right? So, yeah. yeah. Um, and by the way. Make sure you check out these Falcons preseason games. It might be your last chance to see Matt Schaub. Should be. If you're a Schaub fan. The clock's ticking. 38 right. years old. I Talking mean, about former Pro Bowl MVP, Matt Schaub. He's a survivor. <laughs> uh, I don't know he's how much longer He's got skins on the wall, baby. Um, all right. Let's move uh, into the news. Uh, the Jets made a surprise move on um, Thursday. Stunning, really. They bring Ryan Khalil, the former Pro Bowl center of the Panthers, out of retirement. Khalil, 34 years old, uh, a one-year $8.4 million contract, which is good money, but the Jets had plenty of it. They needed, they had a serious need at center, and now you have a veteran who, while not quite at his peak, Greg, is a guy that's still kind of graded out middle of the pack on PFF, has been an all-pro in his past. He was healthy last season. And more importantly, the guy's a legit leader who knows how to read defenses. Everything that Jonathan Harrison, who was supposed to be the Jets center, uh, and Spencer Long last year was the worst center in football before Harrison took over. I mean, it was an absolute eyesore. And there was not a bigger indictment of Mike McCagnan than ignoring the center position with a young quarterback. It was almost malpractice. So the Jets make a surprise move. Shouts to uh, Joe Douglas, who who saw the need and made an aggressive move. I don't, this is not a guy you build around, but he is a nice Band-Aid and a great spot uh, to pair Sam Darnold with for year two. Yeah, I think. Oh, yeah. It is on in New York City. I'm all in. I'm everything's excited. Everything's clear sailing right now, though Gase and Williams are kind of going at each other. In practice, uh, Khalil, I think, makes a bigger impact on stuff that will never show up, really. 
you know, on on teach helping to teach the guards next to him the game, on te- helping to make the calls and uh, help teach Sam Darnold the game to make life easier on Sam Darnold. So none of that will show up on a PFF stat. I mean, the PFF grades actually had Jonathan Harrison, the, the Jets' uh, presumptive starter, higher than Khalil a year ago. So Khalil's not – In uh, one phase of the game, yeah, in, not in, overall. In, um, in Khalil the, was in the red on pass and run, but I, it's fine. It's an upgrade he, he's, overall. He's fine. The point is that that's not what you're bringing him in for. I think you could see on all or nothing, although I think he's a quiet leader. I mean, he was about as important a leader as anyone the Panthers had. It's such a surprise a because last year was his retirement tour, basically. Like, he, we knew before last season he was retiring. And he was a free agent, which is why the Panthers don't control his rights. He could sign with anyone, but he chose to retire. And now, if I'm a Jets fan, the first your first impression of Joe Douglas is great. This was his personal passion project. I mean, after years of McCagnan ignoring the offensive line, which you cannot do in the NFL, and it was maddening to see his replacement who played offensive line in college immediately identify it. The next thing I want to see the Jets do is go after Trent Williams. Why not? You're obviously you – you fancy yourself in that building as a team that can make the playoffs this year. Go make another move. And Maybe when you get one of those Madden codes, you can pull that off. I mean, it's not that hard. <laughs> what is Trent Williams going to cost, honestly? We don't know. Un- undetermined. I, it's my, usually surprising in these situations what they what oh, they end probably, up moving it'd probably for. Probably less than you think, but I like when I when offensive I, when linemen I look at are different. Jonathan like Harrison. Tackles. If you're Jonathan Harrison, here's why you're struggling right out of the gate. Here is how you have been um, brought to earth with the spelling of the name Jonathan. J O N O. Hang with me here. J O N O T T H A N. It's probably been issues from the very beginning trying to decipher that amongst others. I was just and, went with and, John. And you've just been benched. It's like Jonat Than. It's unusual, that's for sure. But I was thrilled about this signing, uh, and I'm starting to get more and more excited about the season. Good I've been for hurt you. before, but I'm getting more and more excited. Uh, moving on, the Denver Broncos uh, make a move, signing running back Theo Riddick, um, who had just been released uh, by the Lions, and now he joins the Broncos. Uh, he can catch the ball. He can run the ball a little bit. Um, but looks like he'll he's more adept signing with a little bit of upside. What are your thoughts on the signing, Wes? Well, running backs aren't really all running backs. They play different positions. Theo Riddick plays a different position than Royce Freeman. He plays basically wide receiver running back hybrid. Same thing James White plays for the Patriots, and they needed this on their team. So hmm. I think the Broncos have a lot of question marks, but if Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman are a – the same kind of one-two they were last year. And then if Emmanuel Sanders comes back healthy, if Cortland Sutton develops like you think you can, he think you think he can, Noah Fant's what you think he is, Theo Riddick's there, you've got a lot more weapons in the passing game than, than people think. Well, Riddick's got to make the team. I mean, to me, it's probably a toss-up between him and Devontae Booker to be I the third Booker's guy. I think gone. And the thing, the thing that, I, that they keep talking about in – Denver camp is that they really are going to give Royce Freeman, who showed up 240 pounds and is having a big camp and sort of fits in that offense. I really think they are going to give him more carries compared to Philip Lindsay, at least compared to a year ago, that it'll be closer to a, a split and whoever else they have will be a distant third behind those two. And that could be a pretty good combo. Th- they, that's been going Second on for max because getting to play when Lindsay wasn't ready to be in there. But, but are you, are, is there a push like to give Lindsay less touches See, I love, to me, is this it is all off-season talk. Well, I'm, I'm Once, sure it is. I'm it's only, it's t- easy to say that in August. Once the games start and it, by October and Philip Lindsay is playing circles around everybody, you're going to give it to your best he, player. He's going to get the ball 250 times. I think the idea is that they, they put on pads that Freeman is a really good fit for this offense, that he's a second-year guy who's a third-round pick who is certainly solid as a rookie and that he looks better, and that's a good problem, that they don't want to give a guy that small Philip Lindsay. 350 touches that you kind of have to do that. I think the Eagles, the Patriots, the teams, even the Rams now, like you have to have two guys. Buckle up. Trey Boston and the Panthers have reunited. The 27-year-old safety signs a one-year, $3 million deal. Is that like a subtle, like, did we need to put this in news? So like I wouldn't wow. disagree. I wouldn't disagree. I'm not putting the news together. Anymore. I wouldn't disagree. <laughs> it, it always, it it always comes lights. back to bite you, Wes. I, I did know. like it. I, Wes jumped in and sent out a <laughs> full news rundown yesterday, which I really appreciated. Well, I got a text from someone associated with the show saying if we have early Friday 
shows, we should plan out the show ahead of time, and it didn't feel like there was an outline by the time I was going to bed. What, what, yeah, what, it's it's more of a segment. Wes, yeah. what good did it do you in the end? I got – well, I took a pot shot from Dan on Trey Boston, which, you know what, that's what friends do. You know what, I, I wouldn't call it a pot shot. But, uh, yeah, Trey Boston, he you washed wouldn't. out with the Chargers and Cardinals. Hell, he washed out with the Panthers, but now he's back. I thought it was interesting based on the Dante Jackson factor from um, All or Nothing where Mike Adams and um, Captain Munnerlin were in his face quite often basically telling him he needed to be a better player. He needed to stop making excuses for himself. He needed to stop coasting on his Defensive Rookie of the Month award. Mm. And now you bring in a different kind of leadership. So we'll see what how Trey Boston's um, relationship with Dante Jackson goes. Good luck to you, Trey. Moving on, Melvin Gordon, holdout, chargers, no end in sight. ESPN's Josina Anderson reports Gordon's agent requested a trade last week. And here's the deal. I mean – he wants ten million dollars a year. Well, that's what the well, Chargers. That's what the, char- yeah. the Chargers want to offer him by that. ten million dollars a year. Chargers, you know, that's what they think he's worth. He thinks he's worth Todd Gurley, Zeke, Zeke Elliott type money. Well, that's quite an impasse. So, what's going to happen here, Greg Rosenthal? I think this could go into the season. I I wrote an article, not a banger, an article uh, for Friday, just like ranking like which players had the most leverage of all these back of all these holdouts. And Gordon was has the least leverage just about. I mean, I'm not really counting Jadevian Clowney who's unsigned because I don't I think the Chargers think they can win without him with Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler. He's in the fifth year of his contract. So that means he has to show up eventually. And I don't think they're going to trade him because I don't think there would be a good enough market for him, and this is the only holdout that I think is maybe 50-50 or greater to go into the regular season. This is one of the most one-sided holdouts I've ever seen. Right. Uh, he and his agent keep releasing these statements and quotes, and the Chargers just pat him on the head and say, that's nice, we're, we're fine, don't well, worry about it. it. It's interesting, though, like he's friends with Le'Veon Bell. He he believes in like the higher purpose of that running – he says the running backs are the, the second, are the second most valuable position in sports, and then I'm not showing up unless you – and and I just think – I don't know where the middle ground is because I don't think they'll trade him. If someone comes to them and says we'll give you – like a bad team says we'll give you a second-round pick for him, maybe they do it, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think you pointed out well in your article that he, he if he's taking a page out of the Le'Veon Bell uh, best-selling book from last season <laughs> – that it's not the same thing because you don't you're not moving into free agency after this. He's not on his second straight franchise tag. No. It's totally different, and he's not. And more importantly, he's not Le'Veon Bell. If he was Le'Veon Bell, they would just give him Todd Gurley can, money. Can you That's imagine, the reality. Can you imagine a world? And with, I like Melvin Gordon with the Chargers, where like it's they're very offensive. They're an offensive powerhouse today with all these pieces are on the field. But let's say Melvin Gordon is not there a year from now. And yes, I like the depth at running back, but Melvin Gordon is a good player. And then Phillip Rivers walks away. You're suddenly a team based around a strong defense and not your offense. If they have leverage, if if they think they have leverage, that's it, is that this is a win-now team that needs it. But he'll be back at some point. I think they, they're calling his bluff. April 2015, I wrote an article on Melvin Gordon quotes, and the title of the article is Save the Running Back. I'm coming into the league to make sure running backs get paid. Why are running backs so hung up on being the heroes that will get all the other running backs paid? Because I think it's like their version of being the D- the wide receivers are divas in their own way. The DBs they're are like divas the podcasters of thing. the NFL media group. They're <laughs> like, we do not get paid our, you know, like the rest of the quote unquote you know talent. Uh, let's let's stand up. There's but like a mis- unlike unlike them though. They like they have more of a backbone than us though. We'll Rage against the dying <laughs> of the light. We'll see about that. <laughs> they don't want to become fullbacks. They don't want to become extinct. Now uh, they're like getting towards endangered species status. I mean, are the running backs ever going to disappear or are they just not going to get paid? I mean, I feel like the running game is always going to be important. Well, every year they run less and less, and and um, there are fewer and fewer workhorse backs. There are fewer and fewer backs who are worthy of huge contracts because you can just pick anyone. Undrafted guys, late late draft pick, throw them in and have a good rushing attack. you got to sell Melvin Gordon gonna, this. Evan Silva's going to officially take out any coach that runs on first or second down, so you know <laughs> things are heading in the wrong direction. Um, moving on, Yahoo Sports put out a um, piece entitled Most Tortured NFL Fan Bases, and it was sent to me by quite a few people on Twitter who were like, hey, Dan, this guy's, you know, 
biting off your bit. And yes, when the pain rankings were released, that was a fairly unique uh, piece of content in the NFL sphere. I wouldn't say this man stole my idea. It's, it's a fun topic. Anybody can get into it. What I do have an issue with is the actual rankings. Jay Buss. Yeah, they're absurd. Uh, let's go through it real quick. Number 10, the Raiders. Nine, the Packers. And come on. Stop. Down there. Stop. Uh, Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. And I don't want to hear this is this is how you get the clicks. Well, when you have greater expectations, it hurts even more. Now, how about just sucking forever and never having a quarterback? That's worse. Eight, the Vikings. Seven, the 49ers, one of the uh, most successful franchises in the history of the NFL. Uh, six, the Cincinnati Bengals. Five, the Detroit Lions. Four, the Atlanta Falcons. Three, the Washington Redskins. Two, the New York Jets. And the number one most tortured NFL fan base, the New York Giants. The New York Giants. Four-time Super Bowl champion. One of the most highly regarded NFL franchises in the history of professional football. They have the most tortured fan base. Come back to us. Come back to us. I, I'm not even – it doesn't even deserve a comment that the Browns aren't in here because they have had one seven-win season, you know, in the last 20-something years. Okay, but is this – I need to clarify or know what this is about. Is this what's fans that are tortured over the last three or four months – like 90 to 120 days. Does that qualify as torture? That's, I, I mean, get, you've got to be th- kidding me That's the failure of the list, this. that it's kind of both living in the moment and then it has teams that no, Let's be real. None be of us it. read the article. And uh, Well, I mean, I'm just looking at the list. I'm just looking at the list. I did I read the article. Oh, I did, did read it, yes. Oh. So was there a logic to that? Yes. It, would, it was instance, like just based on this offseason or something? No, season? it was – I can't tell you it was based on good logic. It's just <laughs> right. I mean, I'm I I I'm not really arguing with uh, that. It's an insane. I list. it just kind of blew my mind to see the Giants. I, I mean, if you grew up in the New York, New Jersey area, and you think the Giants have a more painful history than the Jets, I does it think... bother you that the Browns are not on in the top ten of this? They list? probably should be. I mean, probably they, should be. You know why? Because no team is as hyped as. Or, Everyone I mean, who wants to be a Browns but fan? I mean, who's yet? lucked into more Super Bowls than the Giants? They're the opposite. They're like, you know, sprinkled with good fortune. Hey, well, says the Patriots fan. Let's come. Hey, down here's that. a nine-win team winning a Super Bowl. It's like, you know, yeah, how tortured point, can you be? Overall, I agree. I don't think the author understands what the word tortured means. Uh, well, go through it. Go through there. it, and then write the article. Um, all right, let's hit some eight o'clock delight. Oh, Mark. Sorry, bro. Phil Dawson announced his retirement after 20 years. An inaugural member of the Dog Pound when it was revived in 99. Kind of hoping he would come back to the Browns. Maybe this one final season. But the one kick of his I'll never forget was this insane snow game against the Bills. They beat Buffalo 8-0 to move to 9-5 back in 2007. (laughs) And Phil Dawson hit this kick in the middle of a blinding snowstorm. Love the guy. The most famous blizzard kick of that decade, I say. Moving on, Tom Brady, T-H-I-C-C. Patriots quarterback bulked up to 225 pounds this offseason, turning 42 uh, next week, 20 years in the league, and that boy thick, Mark. Yep, why not? Barren winner. But, you know, I think it's to prevent those injuries. A lot of times I feel like Brady's played with little stuff that you never even hear about. Uh, Brady can make you a lot slower, too. I would think you want to be nimble. Weren't, weren't we just told for the past seven years that Tom Brady, he's been able to extend his career because he's so limber he and blah, blah, blah. He seems to have blah, blah, like, blah. good That's ideas with his, with his body. He seems to have mastered that over the Sounds like the a panic scenario. It's like, carb up, well, bro. Of course it does to you. Antonio Callaway consistently been part of the second team in training camp for the Browns, according to the Cleveland Plain, De- Plain Dealer. Out of shape, Wes. Mm. Callaway, he showed flashes last year, but he's got to get it together. This feels like a message being sent. Uh, I think Rashard Higgins is running ahead of him with the starters and three wide receiver sets. Antonio Callaway is way more talented than Rashard Higgins. I expect to see Callaway eventually get back in the starting lineup. This doesn't sound good, Greg Rosenthal. Speaking Thursday, Pete Carroll, Seahawks coach, said that first-round defensive end L.J. Collier's ankle sprain is, quote, rare. It's not a garden variety sprain at all. Uh-oh. It's a huge problem. He was already running with the third team. Ziggy Ansah hasn't practiced. 
Jaron Reed is suspended, and they have a bunch of guys who have barely produced at the NFL level starting up and down their defensive line. Uh, more bad news for rookies. Jaguars third-round linebacker Quincy Williams. He's done four to six weeks. He has a slight tear in his meniscus. This is just killer, Wes, when a rookie goes down. It's your boy, Quinton Williams' brother. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Quinton Williams' that. brother. And he – the coaches have said that Quincy Williams – we don't want to offend any of you wide receivers, but this is the fastest player on the field for the Jets. He was starting. He was their starter. He was going to step in and take over for Telvin Smith. Finally, free agent wide receiver Brandon Marshall working out for the Colts on Friday. Last chance to get in the playoffs, Mark. <laughs> I mean, I thought this guy uh, wanted to get on uh, television. Uh. <laughs> Good job. Eight o'clock delight. Do, do you want to finish that point? You I did, really didn't have much more to say. I didn't even know that was in 8 o'clock delight, so I was glad to hear the music stop, and it did a great job by Erica. Brandon Marshall, he has never been to the playoffs. The Colts, they're playing in January, Wes. I, if I was trying to get on a team and I was Brandon Marshall, the Colts would rank near the bottom considering they already have, they're already going to have tough cuts at wide receiver Ouch. without Brandon Marshall. One of the best interviews we ever had on our podcast. I don't though. know, though. Bringing in Brandon Marshall is a sign that they're maybe not too happy with their wife. No, it's day. not. Wasn't, the, wasn't it the other Brandon <laughs> Marshall? It is. No, it's not. It's you doing Brandon bother. Marshall a favor. No, wide receiver Brandon Marshall we had on. Oh, did we? Oh, yeah. A lot of shows. A lot of shows. Um, before we get to fly on the wall, congratulations in order for NFL media colleague Gil Brandt. Uh, who will be inducted into the Hall of Fame in Canton, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, this weekend. Uh, Gil has been really uh, for a decade uh, with NFL Network uh, and NFL.com as um, you know uh, one of our lead scouts and kind of a senior writer type position. Uh, but if you are not aware of what Gil was all about before that, um, he was a architect of those Dallas Cowboy great teams in the 1970s along with Tom Landry. Um, he was the guy. He was the guy behind the scenes for 29 years. He was their personnel guru working with Landry and Tech Schramm, uh, their GM, uh, as the organization built itself up from uh, nowheresville. They didn't even win a game in their expansion year, and they became America's team, and that was all Gil. Jarrah Jones came on board and swept everybody out, including Gil, so consider it somewhat ironic that it's Jerry Jones that is inducting uh, Gil Brandt into the Hall of Fame. But you know how the Cowboys are, West. The Cowboys are a big family. They love their guys who are the legendary figures. They take care of them. So that's kind of a nice way to close the book. Uh, not close the book, but to put him into Canton, any thoughts about Gill as a historian, Wes? Well, I think one of the most valuable aspects of learning history is seeing that everything isn't a new idea just because it's happening now. So that not everything is a revolution. That Gil Brandt was a draft nick uh, in 19, 1950s when GMs are still selecting players out of Street and Smith magazine. That he had – he and Tech Schramm – developed a huge network of informants and they had computerized scouting analytics in the early 60s. Basically, the Cowboys refined the art and science of scouting as we know it today. They were doing things in the 60s like um, the trend toward basketball playing tight ends. They were looking for basketball players who were tweeners, not tall enough to play forward, but a little too tall to play guard and seeing if they could turn them into football players. In the 1970s, Gil Brandt said, I wish there was a way to stick a needle in a guy's arm and find out whether he wants to play football or not. Hmm. That will be the next breakthrough in scouting. And you've seen just in the last five years that, that that's been – I think Daniel Jeremiah has said, you know, 20 years ago the off-field stuff, the human element was 25% of scouting and now it's 75% of scouting. Hmm. Gil Brandt saw that in the 1970s. I oh. thought the piece that Andy Fenelon wrote on him shows another side too in that one of the reasons that – Jerry Jones is introing Gil Brandt at the Hall of Fame is because it wouldn't have been unusual for Gil Brandt, who worked closely with Hollywood Henderson of Cowboys Great when he was going through really tough stuff in life, to, and had so many friends um, as players to pick a player to intro him, but he had so many close friends that it would have annoyed or agitated anyone he didn't pick, so Jerry Jones became the guy. But we have known Gil Brandt by working here for a decade, and there's one thing about him. Every time he sees you, he it's not a, you know, these days everyone's all about themselves. He, he stops, 
He sits down. He wants to talk. He, he wants to ask about your family. He'll drop a major NFL nugget on you that kind of leaves you devastated, and then he'll go <laughs> on his way. I mean, he's got, he's got no end to the stories. But I just think that he's one of these guys that always made the personal connection with the player. It wasn't just about the football player. It was the person. And that's, that is increasingly rare with a lot of front office types in general. Yeah, the piece Andy wrote is uh, NFL.com slash scouts honor vanity URL. And, I mean, he showed some tough love with Hollywood Henderson, who is, who is a great Cowboys running back who uh, ran into drug and, and legal problems and – I think his relationship with these guys was unique because he found them in strange places. That's what the computer kind of did. And Gil talked about it with Michelle Tafoya during the Hall of Fame game. He found Bob Hayes at Florida A&M. He found Rayfield Wright at Fort Valley State. He found Cliff Harris at Awachita Baptist. Uh, Ed Tutal-Jones at Tennessee State. These are all these guys that are pro bowlers or Hall of Famers. And other teams were not kind of beating down the doors at these really small schools or historically black schools or D2, D3 schools. And Gil, who had kind of revolutionized the scouting game with that computer, uh, was trusting it. And and that's where they found these guys. And, I mean, he has seen the NFL in, from a unique vantage point about as as much as anyone living. And you can always get, like, a great story from him because of that. I mean, he's seen it when the NFL was, was an afterthought as a professional league. I have a friend who's a doctor, and he told me once that when you save someone's life, you they become like family to you, like kids, because you gave them an opportunity to do something, and it makes up for the ones you lost. So when they take advantage of that opportunity, you're giving them time that they wouldn't have had. And in the quote from, from Gil where he says, as much as Thomas Henderson did wrong. I never lost faith in him. I still consider him like one of my children because I scouted him. I drafted him. I signed him. He was and still is part of my family. You gave that guy the opportunity. And when you give somebody an opportunity, you want to see them make the most out of it. Gil, 86 years old now, by the way, but still got the motor. We see him at every big event. He's always up and around, moving around, talking to people. Um, he did a seven city training camp tour. It's right. amazing. On a ton of radio. That's insane. It's incredible. Uh, I remark in our early days at NFL.com, one of our jobs would be to talk to Gil as he went through hundreds of you know players that he was scouting and helping put together the pieces uh, of Gil's scouting reports at NFL.com. That was one of the first jobs we had. Um, so it's it's fun to now see that same guy and be able to talk to him on the phone at his house in Texas, and now he's in the hall. Well, and you, cool. and you and to be honest, that was not the easiest process because Gail would call you up with a bundle of verbal information, so you are typing as fast as you can. Yes. And Dan and I were we were we were came in from other jobs and started the NFL as three day a weekers. Trying we had we were married trying to just get by. So you're working your butt off to show that you're better than the clown next to you. And the problem with those guild things was we got a little too good at them. Right. And he he'd be like, for us. I want Dan. I want that guy Mock. Like he didn't want the, it's like oh another one of these hour and a half like pro days from East Western Texas State. Well he also but, you know. he also this is how he submitted <laughs> It, when he would write some stuff out, he would write it in longhand and then fax the longhand. <laughs> That's old well, school. That is old yes, school. Um, all right. So, Gilbert Brandt, congratulations. Uh, Well-deserved. All right. So, let's move on. Everybody wants to be a fly on the wall sometimes. And what we're going to do is turn into not human flies. I remember there was little uh, – disconnect or confusion last year. I want to make this abundantly clear. This is not a Jeff Goldblum situation. We're not turning into hideous monsters. You are actually going to be, and you won't have the brain of a fly. Okay, I just want you to understand you're the size of a customary house fly, uh, and it gives you access that you can then, I guess, turn back into human and then share the info. Are there any questions in this room before we go on? I, yeah, I have a few, but I like I just, I'll, 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 just I'll, I'll love, I'd love to see someone else try first because I completely missed the assignment. But yeah, I might. that's well, okay. Let's see. We're gonna happens. make we're, we'll no. do the best we can as flies. It's, it's not that you know. I didn't think it was that. You don't have to get too to deep into the metaphor. You don't need to think about like, do I have a, like a fly wife now? No, I mean just <laughs> let's talk. You can talk about your poop. Wall, right? I have a fly no. wife. <laughs> nice. There you go. Did it was. All right. <laughs> I'm very afraid how the segment's going to go now. I well, thought I, it was pretty clear. No, I think but it's Greg, fine. Get us going. I went around the horn. 
I, I would like to be a, a fly in the wall in Carolina, in the coach's room, in the quarterback's room, and to hear the conversations that are going on between Cam Newton and his coaches and between the coaches talking about Cam Newton. Because I think right now, and, and yeah, there were cameras there last year, and that's that's kind of why I feel like you have a little better sense of the way that Cam Newton is a leader and the kind of just the atmosphere he creates. He's an eccentric all, guy. Yeah, really with all his chat and all his talking. And some of that seems to be gone right now, and he seems to be a little down. And he has missed three of the first seven practices. He is saying he is getting used to a new normal that he realizes he may never be 100% again, and he's not chirping as much uh, on the practice field. Uh, and when he spoke like on Thursday, it, it raised some alarms for me uh, if I was a Panthers fan just about how mortal and how down he felt right now. And so I, I would be very interested to be that fly on that wall to see is, is that behind the scenes too? And are the coaches thinking, okay, we're going to adapt some things to this new Cam Newton. That's fair. It's a good question. That's fair. You, you wonder I think uh, Peter King wrote about it this week that, you know, Cam Newton is putting away his cape. Is it? Is it? Obviously, Christian McCaffrey took on a bigger role that offense last year. Is that essentially the new normal now? But that team, and if you watched All or Nothing, they, one thing with the All or Nothing, Amazon needs to, and NFL Films needs to get it right with the release date. They released it during the draft last year, which got snowed under, and it was a little too close to training camps this year. So I don't know if, and once training camp starts, everybody turns the page from what happens in 2018. Well, especially if the team featured had a depressing end. Right. I mean, even I, that can, you know. So I don't know how many people saw All or Nothing. I still think it's well worth it. I really, I, en- it. I really enjoyed it. Um, and the things that I took out of it, it's interesting because they're coming up in the show. Ryan Khalil came out, came off to me as a great leader and a guy mm-hmm. that you would want in an offensive lineman meeting room. Cam Newton came off to me as a different dude, an eccentric guy, a guy that some people – a you tough might, guy, too. A tough guy, for sure. I liked him better. After yeah, watching. I thought he came off well, and I was surprised by, uh, you know, kind of he's a little bit out there. And, and, um, and But he's so carefree, and you see the way he operated in practice. If if he's not like that now, maybe it's just a matter of time. It's still early. It you know, is, it is still early, but the, the, the quote that really struck me, too, was, I don't want people out there to just think that Cam is back. I'm, that he, I, that he's saying, I'm not back. And I and and the reporter is saying that it's so much quieter there. And he said it's partly because I don't have Thomas Davis or Josh Norman honking at me, so I'm not honking at them. But they're just saying it's just been a different, it's a, been a different mo. And the fact that he's not really practicing that much now just is worth, I think, monitoring. That's we saw fair. that we've seen this with quarterbacks coming off shoulder injuries. Yeah, it feels a lot like Andrew Luck last year. Uh, let us go to Seattle. Let's let's. Let's fly on into the Seahawks facility. Let's get behind on Jimmy Graham's doors. plane. J- What's that? Remember when Jimmy Graham used to fly to practice on his plane? Oh yeah, yeah I don't buy he, into he that. He was the pilot. That, that is at best this ponderous. Is, by the way, this is the 40-year anniversary of Thurman Munson, the Yankee great catcher's plane crash. Mm. I would always be spooked if my favorite player or friend was flying around in a little prop plane. We've lost a lot of athletes too. And musicians. Lost Roberto John Clemente. Denver that way. Corey Lytle. Um, Harrison Ford has crashed twice and lived twice. I yeah, mean, hey. How many times do you want to test Jim Croce. Let's calm down, Indy. <laughs> Get out of the plane. He cl- he crashed on a golf course right next to Andrew Siciliano, who was and golfing oh, at the time. That. Santa Monica, yeah. <laughs> in Santa Monica. He just wanted an autograph. Uh, anyway, uh, the fly has now proceeded to Seahawks, uh, uh, the Seahawks facility. And listen – this is great. I mean, if you're, if you trust the evaluation talents of John Schneider, Pete Carroll, all the people in that building, there's no reason not to. That's been a very, that's been a highly functional, uh, high functioning organization for years now. Um, you feel good about the positive news around D- DK Metcalf, their uh, second round pick, wide receiver. It's it's glowing. I mean, he was drafted 64 overall. This is a guy who was thought to be. Um, a first-round pick, uh, but then there were some red flags. People got a little 
worked up over his inability to stay on the field, maybe some questioning his ability in terms of uh, you know his hands. So he almost falls out of the second round. The Seahawks get him, and all through so far spring and summer, we we are hearing raves about Metcalf, who is working with the first team, and they it seems like they want to install him right off the bat as the guy. And I just wonder uh, if I, behind the scenes, if it's as glowing as it is on the outside, if they really want this guy to step in and immediately be a pro and a playmaker and a guy that can give you what you need from a number two wide receiver for a contender, which is, you know, close to a thousand yards. You want a guy that's get finding the end zone. That's making an instant impact. So Tyler Lockett with Doug Baldwin gone, that's going to be, he has to step up and you're going to need an immediate uh, impact from Metcalf. So I'm interested how that's going to play out. You have David Moore there, Jerron Brown. You can get excited, I guess, about some other guys. I, I you know, you guys tell me, but I feel like a lot, the eggs in the Metcalf basket are vast and you hope it works out. You trust that organization. But I'd like to know what's going on behind the scenes if they really believe they've found something special here deep in the second round. There were some bizarre reports, whispers coming out of that camp that he was starting to annoy people by his behavior on the field. He was having the wide receivers line up and pose according to height. And he was doing other things on the field that was huh? like taking away from the concentration on football. It was, it was a bizarre, bizarre report. It does seem like a team that would be content to run the ball 71 times a game, but that's you can't just dictate that you're going to do that. It's a huge question. And the four guys you mentioned, I think, you know, David Moore, Jerron Brown, DK Metcalf behind Lockett. It seems like that's kind of lock, that is their top 4. Um and Metcalf is a huge factor. And I think they're going to they think their running game is in a better shape than it's been in a few years with Carson and Rashad Penny, but it's a weird time in Seattle cuz man this defensive roster, I know they can pull magic but it looks worse than it, it did a year ago, and they're an offense first team now, which is really strange. I mean, their offense was better than their defense a year ago, and I think it's going to have to be even better this year because the defense, I think, it just they don't, they don't have the players, so they need guys like Metcalf. To it's a weird up. situation because Russell Wilson is a Hall of Fame talent uh, who just seems to get better every year, um, so you want him to be throwing the ball as much as possible uh, because he's that good, but then you have – offensive coordinator Brian Schattenheimer who doesn't seem to love to throw the ball a lot and then you have the the skill position players which maybe it makes more sense to have the running game mm. uh, a little heavier than us so it's they're kind of caught in between a little bit I'm really interested to see how the, this offense looks uh, this season and it's a little bit distracting I think the fly would you know probably hear this just like how much everyone is just talking about the Geno Smith Paxton Lynch competition <laughs> it's just like uh, everyone can't you know okay let's focus on the starters here that you know that's only the <laughs> A rampant topic shout out to uh, Geno Smith's agent Greg Rosenthal because if you want to land a backup job go to Seattle where you're definitely not going to play so you get to keep your body clean you make three million dollars uh, you're a winner you're a winner uh, you could get a ring, for Christ's sake. And all you have to beat out is one of the worst first-round picks uh, at quarterback of this decade in Paxton Lynch. So I like your odds, and I like your spot of you know buying, buying that house. Nice that table setting by Greg there for Gino. <laughs> all right. The fly now moves where, Wes? Uh, East Rutherford, New Jersey. Oh, okay. Flying up there. You ever watch a nature documentary, and you can't wait for like the waterhole scene? That's where all the drama happens. That's where That's where the heat is. That's where the power play dynamics yep. happen. Big pop. Well, the <laughs> the water hole in Giants camp is filled with Kool-Aid. It's a Kool-Aid hole. And I want to see how the animals, I want to study the behavior of the animals as they go up to the Kool-Aid hole. It's like hot Kool-Aid? Yeah, it's like Ugh. the the wide receivers, you can see that they're like the gazelles. They kind of tiptoe up with twitchy ears and <laughs> nervous eyes. They slowly bend over and take a little sip out of the Kool-Aid. And they expose their they expose their blind side this a little is bit in the room at the Giants complex. This is in the room. Yeah. <laughs> well, the fly can <laughs> go outside, I guess. Right? Oh, the fly's outside. Okay. You see, the wide receivers are like the gazelles, and then you see this procession. It's like a <laughs> depression era baptism in backwoods Mississippi. It's just the media slowly <laughs> wading into the waters to get their baptism in the Kool Aid. That's the scene I want to see in training camp: the Kool Aid drinking at Giants <laughs> camp. Wow. I mean, I knew it would be negative. It was just a matter of which direction it was going. It's like Gettleman's the hippo in there, controlling the whole thing. Hippos have bad tempers. Hippos are the most dangerous Glober, animal in Glober Africa. gets a new swimsuit. Jump, no, Glober's right in, in a beach chair watching the whole thing. Okay. 
chuckling. That's all I have to say. About so you the- just want to see. Play. I want to see exactly <laughs> see the, the Giants burn I want to see down exactly who is drinking the Kool Aid okay. and how are they drinking it. Like Kool- I said, the wide receivers Dan's are just sipping it. concern is really coming through now. <laughs> the wide receivers are just sipping it because they're not sure what's going on. They're not sure if this is good for their careers. They don't know what's going on. But the media, they're going in and they're getting baptized in that Kool Aid. I want to see all of that. All right, I, I, I don't know where else to take that. <laughs> I still am not completely sure what we're talking about. Honestly, I want to see why everybody (laughs) buys into doing, buys into everything the Giants say. There's some sort of metaphysics. You do understand that supernatural. Especially if there's an outlier there that doesn't want to drink the Kool Aid. He wants to drink something different. Exactly. I want to see if there's anybody there who refuses to drink the Kool Aid. You do know that there is a critical component. Jordan Rainon, the ESPN guy who covers the Giants. He seems he never seen. He always seems very critical. You know, there's a critical component the- to the New York media of this Giants offseason, right? They've been getting slaughtered all offseason. The local New York media yes, has slaughtered. They have been killed. Not this- Ralph Bacchiano. I know that. Well, well, I, would, look, I would like to see the Yikes. descending voice. Forget the media inside the building too. If if it, mm. when do, when if you're Pat Shermer, do you say, "Excuse me, I want to start the quarterback I want"? We don't know. We'll find out. All right, close it out. Mark Sess. All right, this little fly is gonna. This is a long trip well, from East Rutherford, twice. New Jersey, out of time. all the way down. You know, you, you know, you have to take the highways of the roads. You can fly straight, but all the way down to Miami, Florida. Jumping in the fish tank. I am jumping in the fish tank. And it's no surprise that Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen are the, one of the only real quarterback battles out there. But this is a team that we thought was unified a few months ago with the organic fish tanking of blow up the season and do what you can to cut costs and get in position to get our quarterback in the next draft. Get draft capital, do whatever it takes to get our Sam Darnold, R. Baker Mayfield, this team has not had one for a long time. Let's get it done. So you now go out and get Josh Rosen. What I'd like to be on that little with that fly, and you fly into this little Miami Dolphins compound. I think I'd sit on like a cinnamon bun or something, like a little sweetness under me while I listen into this conversation. They're not paying attention <laughs> to the cinnamon bun because there might be some dissenting voices in this room because you've got Brian Flores, the first-year coach, who does he want to roll into the season with and start and go into this journey with? And not he doesn't. Coaches don't want to be zero and eight or one and seven and look like they they are the next guy that come from comes from New England and can't do what Belichick did. You've got Chris Greer that might have a completely different game plan on how he wants the season to play out, and he has got to see Josh Rosen. He can't wait till week seventeen. Oh, then we'll give Josh Rosen one start, and then we'll build our evaluation off of some outrageous, you know, 16 passes against the Bills in week 17. You got to see him earlier. You got to see a real body of work when the games matter against teams that aren't beaten up late in the year. And what about Steven Ross, who might say, this is my product. I'm paying all this money, and I kind of believe in this plan and the tanking, but I don't like my name being attached to that. He was with Blockbuster, right? Am I wrong? That thing tanked, but maybe it wasn't him. But anyways. That that wasn't Stephen Ross, was it? That was Bla- no. Wayne well, he's like, I don't want to do it the way the last guy did it with Blockbuster, so I'm going to do business my way. The Dolphins aren't going away at that hideous video store. So all these different voices. What's the conversation? I'd want to fly out of there knowing I know mm. next time I hear about quarterback A or B is is thriving, or the coach says this, or the GM says this when he has once in a while a press conference. What's in their heads? What do they really want to accomplish? Hmm. I think it's Flores' show. And that's why it'll be Ryan Fitzpatrick's show, at we'll least see. early. Yeah, for a few weeks, maybe. But you have to eventually see what you have in Josh Rosen. I think you eventually, have to yeah. soon. I would start him even if he lost the quarterback competition. What are the Dolphins trying to? What do they need to do this year? I, I guess Flora, you know, Flores doesn't want to look keep at jobs. it like that, though. Yeah, he, they, he, he's they're out there. Isn't they're he working safe as this hard. Year? Of course, but they're working as hard as they can to go to win games, and they're not going. If Fitzpatrick's way better, it just sets. A strange message. I found it interesting. He's going to play the best players. Like, we're out there at NFL Network interviewing Kiko Alonso. It's like, Kiko Alonso, make the team. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he gets cut and some guys like that don't even make Brian Flores' team. He's going to turn this roster over. Uh, do you do you have a quick one, uh, Greg, before we go? I do. Uh, 
I'd like to be a fly on the wall when Matt Patricia and Bobby Quinn are talking in Detroit and hearing what they really think about Matthew Stafford. A couple geniuses mm, chopping like it up. Whether he is – I wish I had gone with that first. I thought we had two, two around. Just what <laughs> what they think about Matthew Stafford well, behind it. His, his strengths, his weaknesses, because they're going to evaluate him honestly. He hasn't had his starters out there really next to him. It's a new offense with Daryl Bevel. It's, it's a tough situation for Stafford and them, but – you know, it's got it's it's blank or get off the pot time. I think. Well, you heard what Golden Tate said. Matthew Stafford's the best quarterback he's played with. Maybe it's that simple. Wow. I, I would. That's, that's the thing. I was like, I would comment. like to hear Patricia and Quinn talking about man, this guy. If we can just get the right pieces around him, he is our guy. But I, I'd be interested. I don't know. So yeah, I really be, don't know. He believes Stafford to be superior to Russell Wilson. He does indeed. Interesting. Well, there's a lot going on. There, there. Yeah, there <laughs> might have. We personally, yeah. Golden Tate has had a lot of just. And in fairness, Wes, he hasn't played with Eli Manning yet. He's that. That's just beginning. Well, so, yeah. Well, Russell's about to fall to the bronze medal potentially. I mean, well, Golden Tate and Percy, Golden Tate and Percy Harvin involved yeah. in one of the most weirdly, almost underreported scandals in Super Bowl history. What a great scandal! We, I don't know <laughs> if we can really dig into it because it's all kind of hearsay, but Google it, baby. It's worth a Google. <laughs> Might have impacted his answer on the quarterback rankings, his personal quarterback rankings. Yeah. Do do we think that there's a chance that Matt Stafford's playing his last season in Detroit? I mean, they talked about maybe drafting a quarterback this last draft. But, like, Matt Stafford playing for a different team next year. I could see it. I think there's a chance. Yes. Yeah. Not a huge one, but uh, I think there's a chance. Because you could certainly – he could certainly be someone that you would be attractive in a trade. What a market that would be. Right. So that's the thing. They're going to coldly evaluate it and – if they think it's time, oh, it fits. So going to be on the Patriots? You know, if they trade up. No, I don't think that. <laughs> See, now I'm doing the thing. Dan's already scared. <laughs> you connect the star to the Patriots immediately. Because Tom Brady, now he's on a yo-yo diet. You know, it's just, uh, you no, know where he this is, is all not. heading. That is not what he's on. <laughs> yo-yo diet. Please. He's going to go 13-3. and three. It's uh, his birthday today. Happy birthday. 43 years old, right? Who? Is it today? Or is it 42? 42. 42. 42. Is today's birthday? That's just outrageous. Congratulations, Tommy. Yeah, it is today. It is. They were, you know, the, the, the no fans to walk singing, away. singing to That would be my birthday gift to him. Oh, it's actually think, tomorrow, August 3rd. You think he should walk away now? <laughs> just no one to walk away. You know, go out high. You know. Why are they singing it to him today? Maybe they don't have practice tomorrow. That's the thing. You can They're celebrating right now. Retire a hero or live long enough to be a washed up bum. That, I mean, you, you can take it two routes. At least it's a very fresh theme from you, Dan. <laughs> I mean, I'm. It, this is one where we find common ground on the Patriots that I, I would have totally been down with Tom Brady and Gronk just going out on top with that title. It just... That's what you said like two Super Bowl wins ago, though. Right. I mean, so it's now like I really... Are, like, P- Patriots fans are glad you're not getting your way on this front. Tom's children, by the way. Dan's got to catch a plane. Vivian Lake Brady, Benjamin Brady. That's a great name. Ben Brady. Mm-hmm. And John Edward Thomas Moynihan. Little nugget on the eve of his 42nd birthday. Hmm. The kid's last name is Moynihan? Oh, yeah. I and that's so. a middle name, I think. Let's not get into that either. Yeah, once. I guess so. Worth a Google. Easily findable on the Internet. <laughs> uh, all right. Before we go, I'll be out Monday, by the way, heading back east, doing the weekend thing. With the family. Maybe we can get Steve Weish back in. Get Steve in here? He did such a great job last time in your absence. He was just sensational. <laughs> what? <laughs> he was. No, he was. He's always great. He's great. He's great. Um, I just like to put Dan on that airplane with a little bit of hesitation. <laughs> he certainly will not. Uh, good luck to you. Uh, I won't be here on Monday, but I'll be back on Wednesday. Uh, before we go, um, Mark... Speaking of familiar themes, a meditation. A little weekend meditation. Here we are, once again, at the end of another busy week. Maybe a week in which you barely even thought about your own needs. So now, making yourself comfortable Take a deep breath in, and as you breathe out, close your eyes and begin to relax. As you continue to breathe, 
Imagine yourself walking through a beautiful midnight garden. The stars shining above, the moon's light illuminating the soft grass below your feet. As you wander the garden, you can smell the scent of rose bushes swaying in the night breeze. So peaceful, so far away from all your stresses. And at the edge of the garden, you reach an elegant patio that peers down into a lush valley. In the middle of the valley, you see a tennis court. <laughs> and on the court, a young man dressed in white shorts, white socks, white sneakers, a white polo, and a white headband. It is Greg Rosenthal working tirelessly against one of those little robot ball machines in the middle of the night. Forehand. Backhand. 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 Forehand. Seacrest out. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.